Warning, the following podcast contains naughty words and opinions. While neither of these things are hazardous, you should be aware that the exposure to both has been shown to cause chafing. Proceed at your own risk. Take hourly only. Welcome to Cinema Slop, the weekly podcast that seeks to answer the important questions like, when your mom is a werewolf, is it okay to call her a bitch? Do you think werewolf tastes more like wolf or human? Our content is prepared and served to you by myself, John, a man whose primary qualification is being able to taste the difference between free-range and factory-farmed homeless people. And Jason, a man who would certainly defend himself against a mutant killer baby, likely before he knew he was a mutant. Every week, we carefully select our content through a process called backwards baconing. This is where we hunt down that delicious pig-human hybrid and butcher it into some tasty content. Mmm, the elusive pork marrow. At the end of each episode, we select a movie by our favorite actor and progress one step further away from the bacon. We season that content with our own secret blend of comedy, commentary, and aggressive Brazilian bikini waxing. Don't forget a pinch of salt, a touch of spoilers, a fuck ton of expletives, and a smidgen of cannibalism. I believe the table is set, so that leaves one last order of business. Jason, are you ready? Yep, let's serve up some cinema slop. Last week, we watched in awe as Claudia Christian ghost-rode the whip to greatness while hunting down the shady, rotting zombie-like element deep within the NYPD on Maniac Cop 2. This week, we followed her into the lichen fray as she does battles with the hirsute, bipedal dog people of Bustopton. Jason, what did we watch this week? This week, we watched everyone's favorite uptight ski instructor try to take down a group of party animals in Mom's Ski School. Jason, I think you've merged the plot of two completely different movies. You're damn right I did, but wouldn't that be a much better movie? It would be, but your description of it isn't that far off. You just need to replace a couple of words. Try this. Replace uptight ski instructor with overbearing news reporter. And group of party animals with elderly werewolf. And I think you've got it. Okay. This week we watched everyone's favorite overbearing news reporter try to take down an elderly werewolf in Mom's Ski School. How's that? I fucking hate you sometimes. Well, this week we watched Mom, a 1991 horror comedy by Patrick Rand. Jason, who will help our hapless heroine in her quest this week? Certainly not that weird guy in the sunglasses. Fuck no. As John mentioned, we followed uh, Claudia Christensen over here. She plays Virginia Monroe, or Kiki, I believe. I did the research. It's actually just Christian. I mispronounced it for a full episode, I think. Oh, you're right. I corrected you, too. I think you did, yeah, but I double-checked when I wrote my shit. Yeah, Claudia Christian. Virginia Monroe, that's who she plays. She was, uh, I don't know, some psychiatrist in the last one. She was Dr. Cop. Dr. Cop, that's right. And then we got uh, Brian James. He's a Nestor Duverrier. I don't know. It's Nestor. I believe it's it's French, so it's probably like all soft sounds. Duvalier. Oh, you're right. But yeah, he's all up in this film. We got Jean Bates. She plays Emily Dwyer. I think it's Dwyer. She's the mom. Titular character, I, I believe. <laughs> Can you please not say tit next to mom? She's a werewolf. I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> In that case, you have to say it five more times. Titular mom. <laughs> yeah. Titular mom. Titular mom. Titular mom. I think I'm going to save the last one for a little later, though. Okay. Once once you do it, we can finally start nursing these cubs. Sweet. The cast filled out with her son, Mark Thomas Miller, who's Clay, and uh, Mary Beth McDonahue as Alice, his uh, girlfriend. We are uh, Art Evans in here. You might know him from such movies as Die Hard 2. He plays Barnes. We got Barnes in this bitch. Yeah. He plays Lieutenant Hendricks. The last one? Do you want this one? Is this a favorite of yours? I'm jumping at it because it's Stella Stevens who plays Beverly Hills. And I just, I like that because both of those sound like porn names. Do you want to say why she's named Beverly Hills? I mean, in this one, I assume it's because of the massive cleavage that she has. Well, it's Beverly and those were her hills. 
having killed the joke, I will point out that Stella Stevens, also known as Beverly Hills, is somebody you might know from a movie from like 1972 called The Poseidon Adventures. Before we start, I just want to complain. I basically watched this on a VHS tape. I actually saw it streaming in HD. I don't know, having watched this in VHS quality, I'm not sure it would have helped. Oh, I saw like 30% more than you did, so that's fine. I'm pretty sure that my copy was shot uh, open mat. Are you familiar with this term? I am not. All right. Well, basically, in the old days when everything was going to be aired on a square TV, they used to shoot theatrical movies four by three and then chop the tops and bottoms off to put them in the theater. So that's when you got all the boom mics and shots was when you were watching it on TV and they had all that extra space that they unmatted for broadcast. So the copy I watched probably actually had 33% more than the one you saw, but it was all awkward headspace. <laughs> hey, I'm down with that. Yeah, it, it didn't feel cramped. It felt roomy, okay? <laughs> My copy had 100% less uh, tracking error. How do you tell who's eating who if there's tracking issues? Exposition Radio here with your host, John and Jason. We open this movie on a roadside sign in a van approaching like a bus stop. And the sign says Lucky Springs. An old man drives the van up to the bus stop and he dumps a woman out. And it's, it's our old buddy Claudia Christian. There seems to be a domestic dispute of some, type, some sort. She's got a suitcase and he's basically calling her a harlot and driving her out. I assume the main character of this movie is just getting thrown about and being thrown into the plot of this movie somehow. Get the fuck out, get on the bus to L.A. And he, he even says something like, you're just like your mother or some shit. So in, in my head, it's like, oh shit, grandpa was, t- was letting granddaughter stay with him. And then she got knocked up and now he's kicking her out just like he kicked out her mom. I like that. That, that works better than, you know, stepdad or whatever. Well, I mean, either way, it's like, you can't just kick out the stepdaughter. What are you, an animal? Yeah, don't be a dick. Let's, let's talk about Claudia Christian here. I mean, she's the main character of this movie, right? Yeah, um, about that. She is sitting on her suitcase. She takes note of a a pretty creepy looking dude hanging out sort of in the shadows. She tries to like lightheartedly say like, I'm going to buy you a drink. Come keep me company. I've had a rough night kind of thing. But he's just weird. He just stands over there in the shadows and he's real wooden. And eventually she pulls a bottle out and offers it up to him. This is where I think you're pretty much your theory is destroyed. Yeah, she gets eaten. He just uh, chewed out her neck and left her for dead. And that, that he is uh, Brian James, Nestor. I immediately recognized him from Blade Runner and Fifth Element, obviously. Yeah, Tango and Cash comes to mind. I just I watched that not too long, too long ago, so... Is that any good? <clears throat> it's, uh, it's amazing, John. Noted. But I feel like we should take note here, because I think this is the first time we've picked an actor that shows up in the first scene and then dies in the first scene. I was shocked, honestly, because I thought she was the name from this movie. Yeah, I kind of did, too. Except that Nestor doesn't actually werewolf her. He actually just eats her, so she doesn't get to come back. Spoiler. Yeah, there is no more Claudia in this movie. Just say goodbye. Fucking done. Stick a fork in her. If you want to hear more Claudia, go back and listen to Maniac Cop 2. We'll talk a lot about her there. Yeah, so then we just cut to an old woman with a dog in a Christmas sweater decorating a Christmas tree. Actually, I'm double-checking my notes on that one. To make sure the dog isn't in the sweater? No, the dog is in the sweater. It says an old woman with a dog in a sweater. So anyway, uh, she's got the news on, and the news has uh, information about the, the murder of Virginia, and the old lady really creepily smiles at this. There's literally no reason for this, until you realize shortly after this that the newscaster that's talking is her son. I thought she was just like a murderous old woman. You thought the, the turn had already happened, you know, out of camera shot, and she was just like, ah, oh, yes. 
Yeah, like I thought maybe like we just cut to the den mother of the werewolves, but no. Turns out she was just, oh, that's my boy. Or she's just a really nasty old lady, and because he was reporting on a reported, like, lady of the night murder, she was happy about it. She's just judgy as fuck. Yeah. That is a completely valid possibility. And if she is judgy as fuck, I kind of like that, because then, you know, she has to debase herself as a werewolf later on, so, you know. I like all scenarios. So she opens a present. Well, I'm just going to skip this shit. Oh, but it, this, I mean, it could be mentioned that this is kind of, the beginning of this movie is Christmas time. This is a Christmas kind of movie for, like, one scene. It's it's less Christmassy than Die Hard, but it's enough that you could put it on at a party. Correct. But it's L.A. Christmas, so it basically just looks like 11 a.m. everywhere else. So her, her daughter gave her slippers. Uh, she puts them in a drawer that's just, like, three slightly different colored slippers that are all side by side, so you know that her daughter is shitty and absentee. And then the TV people segue to a segment about a healthy old person whose secret is you are what you eat. And I just wrote, foreshadowing? There's a lot of like TV exposition slash foreshadowing in this. Yeah. Oh, there's a ton of it. The The only excuse for it, though, is that the son is a news person. So his literal job is to exposit for us. But only through the television set that the camera is looking at. Oh, that's the only time he ever does a good job in this movie. So He definitely was like, today, nine people are dead. It would have been a good place for another exploding barrel of meat. That's all I'm saying. Oh, we just love the exploding barrels of meat. We, we cut to the next day. The mom is on the couch with the newscaster's son and his daughter. I've already just started referring to him as newscaster. He's His actual name's Clay. Okay. But newscaster's just fine. They exchange gifts, and mom gives the newscaster a homemade blanket, and then uh, the newscaster gives mom the greatest gift of all, the gift of a grandchild. And by giving it to her, you mean he makes his girlfriend stand up and gesture vaguely at her stomach yeah and it's not like this is noticeable and they even mention it they're like oh yeah she's pregnant but you can't tell yet because we just found out it's a christmas baby she's not pregnant she's wearing a sweater fuck you yeah she's not glowing like a stereotypical mom her response to the happy news is just like oh my god that's amazing and then just her voice drops like an octave and she just goes so when are you getting married like it's like instant uh so the creepy dude Nestor Duvalier. He shows up at the door and he asks if the room is still available that, that the mom, I guess, is, is letting out. There's some dialogue about it. I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I assume he found this in like the newspaper want section that doesn't exist anymore. So not creepy at all. Yeah, he says that a friend told him about it, but he's supposed to be blind and, you know. Do werewolves really have friends? <laughs> well, I would assume not. I mean, obviously Virginia didn't tell him. Yeah, and Carla doesn't know this guy. I don't know how many people fucking mom knows here. Yeah, mom seems to, uh, jumping ahead, she seems to have struggle maintaining relationships, you know, when she's bitten. So I'm going to assume he doesn't know a lot of people. So the blindness must just be an act. I, I, I would think so. Probably like he's covering up his weird irises or something. Well, there's a light sensitivity thing that goes on here, so. And my note here is uh, that his acting makes me think that I would be a pretty good actor. You know, I think I, I think I could do that. His accent I could never pull off. I'd have to be like country or something, but yeah. What would you even say is his accent? It's it's close to French, I would say. It's like French Cajun. So he's he's doing like a shitty gambit. Yeah. Well, that makes it make a little more sense. I just thought it was bad. Well, it was bad. <laughs> okay. But that's what he was aiming at. <laughs> he was trying to stretch a little higher than bad, I guess, but he did he didn't make it. So we go to dinner time and Nestor says that he always eats out, which uh we find out shortly is a euphemism for, you know, going out and killing people but that he can smell something is burning and that he has a really good sense of smell 
the mother, like a mom, she insists that he try something. So naturally that leads to a tussle, uh, as often happens with mothers trying to give you food. (laughs) That was the most natural part of this, I think, is rejecting the food from an elderly lady being like no i don't want to eat that yeah i, I don't want your fucking broad swagger or whatever bullshit get away from me old lady <laughs> he's like a nerd in a slap fight trying to like get the food away from his face and she's like got a spoon and is like trying to airplane it into his mouth it's a pretty ridiculous setup it is they come to blows over like tasting food yeah, it turns out it makes him sick <laughs> werewolves don't like cooked meat in the tussle his glasses fall off and when she picks them up for him he does the natural thing, which is maul her and turn her into a werewolf. When he bites her, there's this great edit where they cut from him lunging at her to like a butcher chopping up a giant slab of meat. When you do this artfully, you cut to something that is not meat, but reminds you of meat. But in this case, they cut from humans to actual raw flesh because they couldn't afford to do special effect flesh. The idea here is to suggest something, not to just cut to raw meat. It's suggested that I should eat some pork. It turns out that there's a there's a good reason to cut to the pork in the first place, because Mr. Hermit Hernandez at McIntyre Meat Company is worried about Mom because she hasn't picked up her standing meat order. That That's what gets things going, because uh, we, we now know that people are noticing Mrs. Dwyer is, uh, is, is not following her normal course of events. So, I mean, really, the movie gets started pretty quick. Oh, no, it's it's chugging along. And then we, we cut to my favorite one-off scene, which is a meter reader comes to read the meter. And creepy Mr. Devalier, he says, What luck? My power's gone out, and I am hesitant to check the fuses myself. And so the guy very cheerfully offers to help. And they just walk around the corner, at which point there's a terrible sound effect. Rawr! And an ah! That's the level of special effects we get in this movie is two sound effects. I'm pretty sure they're repeated, too. So Clay and Alice show up. They're there to check on Mom. And Devalier answers the door. And I'm still just stuck on how shitty he is. He's talking in this Cajun accent with a gravelly voice. And he's blind and he's moving like his arms don't move right. And like he's got a rod in his spine. And so the description of his acting that I put was it's kind of like watching a finger puppet in Stevie Wonder glasses do a Tom Waits impersonation. That's actually pretty accurate. Yeah. But I don't think he's actually blind, though. I think he's just faking it so no one sees his old-ass werewolf eyes. It's, it's this really weird scene where basically Clay and Alice and Nestor are all feeling each other out. They don't trust him because they, they didn't even know that he was there. And now he's been, quote-unquote, taking care of Clay's mom for several days while she convalesces from a mysterious disease. And her feeling unwell is a theme in this movie. It just every time the mom needs to, like, leave the room, she's like, bleh. I feel pukey and like just walks away. We mentioned Clay being the overbearing son, but for like the first 15, 20 minutes, he he seems absentee, right? Like he didn't notice his mom was feeling ill until the fucking butcher called him. Like, do butchers have emergency contacts for, you know, returning customers that don't pick up their meat on time? <laughs> Hi, Clay. I'm calling you from Hernandez Meats. Uh, yeah, you're the emergency contact listed for a Emily Dwyer. Uh, she hasn't picked up her meat order yet. Could you uh, swing by and get that before it goes bad? Like, is that what's going on here? Because that's what happened. Maybe maybe she's, like, so old that they were like, we're not sure if nitrates are good for you, so we need a doctor's note. It's a prescription-based meat product. Right, yeah. It's, like, synthesized meat. So, you know, it's 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 condensed. It's, like, you got to dilute it with water when you get it. Now, Emily, I expect you to eat one pork chop per week. Doctor's orders. If I can only have one, I'm going to get condensed meat. Yeah, I'm going to have pork chopped wrapped bacon. 
wrapped in bacon and pork chop. Yeah, so back to the non-existent plot stuff. The newscaster goes upstairs. I'm sorry, that's not a good segue at all. That was a terrible segue. <laughs> it works. Let it go. The terribleness it of go. it just fits this movie perfectly. He goes upstairs, and this is actually one of the, I don't know, more artfully done scenes, but he's checking on his mom. When he asks her how she's doing, the mom sits up a little bit and the camera cuts to the reverse angle. And when that happens, you're like behind the mom looking over at the door. And when she sits up, she lifts the sheet just enough so that you see like a severed arm in the bed with her. And it was actually strangely subtle and and nice for this movie. And they have a conversation and she's like trying to basically shoo him out of the room until the, uh, the alarm on like the Casio watch on the arm goes off. She's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And she shoes him out. Uh, I'll be down in a minute. And then she like has to like cover the arm again. Uh, and I noticed when he was coming down the stairs that the newscaster, Clay, he's wearing a bikini inspector t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Classy guy. As if I didn't have enough, enough reasons to hate this guy. It should have said like, what were they like? Snow bunny inspector. Just as a callback to the last movie he did. Snow bunnies? That's what they call babes on the ski slopes, I guess. Oh, was he in ski school? Is that why you did the intro? Yeah, he was definitely in ski school. Goddamn. I remember that movie, too. I don't remember this one, so we should have done ski school. Well, we still can. Okay, so Nestor is, like, hugging Alice's stomach. He's like a werewolf sniffing a pregnant lady's belly. And if we take this in context with the opening scene, it's like, okay, do werewolves, like, seek out, like, fetuses? Or is that, like, werewolf veal? I would assume so. He's, like, real excited about this. Yeah, he was a gentleman about it. Yeah, but he was creepy. Well, a creepy gentleman. There's some more banter and then they leave. Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, fear from them, from Miss Dwyer, right? Because she's like, oh, Alice is here, but Nestor's downstairs. He might eat that baby. My grandbaby. Right. I don't want him to eat my grandbaby. Nestor then has like a domineering moment where, you know, it becomes clear this is like a Dracula slash, what was that guy's name? Was it Harker or was it uh, Renfield? So it's like a Dracula Renfield kind of thing a little bit. Okay. Where like, you know, he's like, you shall do my bidding, you know, and she's like, but I don't want to lie to my family. And he's like, yeah, whatever, you get used to it. <laughs> you know, Nestor is down there telling Alice how, you know, strong her baby's heartbeat is. And she's like, you can hear my baby's heartbeat. And he's like, I have super hearing because I'm blind. And I'm like, that's not a fucking thing, fucker. But because you're not blind. Besides that, you're a fucking werewolf. Fuck off. He's like, fuck you. I'm daredevil. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. I've been hit with radioactive road waste. I'm the toxic Avenger. Um, no, but Nestor's down there being creepoid and, you know, newscaster shithead Clay comes down in his bikini inspector uniform and kind of like, what you doing, creepo, creepy old man? He does nothing about it. He just kind of like, what are you doing? He's just like, oh, that's weird that you're hugging my wife's belly. It's like, we, we were creeped out by you before you were doing that. And now you're doing that. Great. Yeah. That's not where your face belongs. The title of his sex tape. <laughs> I was going to say, is the subtitle go just like a little lower, a little lower to the left? Perfect. That, I mean, that, it pretty much just ends like you said it did, right? They just kind of, kind of go their separate ways and then that's it. Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of like leave with a little bit of a, we'll have our eyes on you kind of look, but that's it. They just vanish off. And then we go back to watching the news. Newscaster is talking about the trail of murders that's leading to L.A. And this is this is another one of those like slightly better shots of the movie, which I didn't even take a note of this, but I remember it because it was 
better than everything else. Uh, it's just like the shot of the TV. You see in the foreground, like, the mom's hand pick up a coat, and then the mom and Nestor's legs go in front of the TV, and they have a tiny bit of dialogue where they basically say, we're going to go out to eat now. And, you know, you can put together, oh, Nestor's probably the source of these killings, if, as if the opening scene didn't do it, you know? Yeah, if it's, if it's force-feeding you this plot, that's how it's doing it. If you can't pick this up already, you're probably blind or deaf. <laughs> you're probably Nestor. Yes. This movie has very obviously got no money, and it's just nice to see a no-money move- movie do something in a single shot that they could have done in five, but, like, do it slightly creatively. I liked it. We cut to them getting in a cab and showing up in a shitty part of town where they offer a hobo dinner. And in one of one of the more fun details, like you've got the newscaster hot on their heels and he's kind of like spying on them, you know, because he's suspicious of all this shit. <laughs> one of my favorite things is while they're showing them through the window, the mom like keeps the hobo from using too much sauce. <laughs> oh, yeah. They didn't want their meat to be spicy. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, fuck you. You're going to season yourself. Go to hell. No. We want your shit, El Natural. You know, taste those natural free range hobo juices. I don't know. Are, are LA hobos free range? I feel like those are factory. Or free range chickens, I know, just have to be kept in like a building with a window. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking free range just in the sense that they're, they're, they're ambulatory. They're up and walking around. Yeah, but it's LA. So, I mean, they have a lot far to go. They have a far ways to like travel if they wanted to. I mean, if I'm thinking free range as far as people go, I'm thinking more like country free range oh okay so that's more like your your train hobos yeah that's what i'm thinking they have access to better food better grains you know better water sources your your la those are basically the caged equivalent of humans okay well in a, in a purely hobo environment i think i would have to agree are we are we going to entertain the possibility of adding orphans to this scenario or are we going to stick with just the hobos i th- we might have to add that into a previous episode for like free jack okay because that was a totally different homeless scenario because those were all poisoned people. So orphans would have been like the younger, the better because they have, they've spent less time. Well, and that brings us right back to veal, you know, human veal. No, I mean, if you're getting it before it's out of that birth canal, you're getting it the freshest it's ever been. That's why he likes the pregnant women so much. He wants the veal. Yeah. I mean, once humans are exposed to oxygen, they obviously start to rust. I think that your understanding of anatomy might be lacking or uh, biology. Okay, so let's get real weird. If they get them in utero, but like before they're fully baked, is that like those uh, the partially uh, form or formed chickens uh, embryos? Yeah, the fermented embryo things. So is is that what happens if he like breaks open a pregnant woman? He like cracks open her, puts the baby in a pickling jar, and then he's got a delicacy. I don't know that I'd pickle it. I think I just. Uh, maybe pickling. I'd probably ferment, though. See, because I'm thinking like a kimchi kind of preparation. If I were a werewolf, I would like to eat my fetus before the bones started to harden. (laughs) Okay. That's all I'll say about that. It's like eating soft-shelled crab. If I'm a werewolf, obviously I'm not eating people. Uh Uh-huh, sure. Throw that caveat in for legal reasons. (laughs) I mean, I may be a a werehog. (laughs) Pork mara. The pork mara. And moving on. (laughs) <laughs> That's the sign that I'm supposed to edit that out. <laughs> they escort the hobo around the corner, and this is the second mouth noise killing in a row. Unrelated to the mulling, uh, the camera goes up, like it points up to the third floor, and some woman is just getting it. It's L.A., so I assume there's a porn being shot. I assume so, too, but like, again, just checking here, no nudity, right? No, I don't believe so. 
But it's just funny because it's like the sounds of murder are covered by sexy time. Yeah, and they kind of made a point to kind of interlace them where there was sexy sounds happening while there were like wolf howls happening. Mm-hmm. So th- I think they're trying to suggest that these men were very virile, I guess. I don't know. One of two possibilities. You know, one is just it's obviously a cheap way to have screams and stuff without showing gore. But then the other one is like maybe it's also just a, it's a sexual violence, you know. This is the second time this movie's kind of unset my expectations because I kind of assumed that since it panned up to that weird threesome happening in the third floor of that building, that clay news reporter dude wouldn't know his mom was a werewolf yet right like you thought that would throw him off the scent yeah i kind of thought that's what they were going for and then immediately after they show that he looks down in it in a little weird like alley light and there his mom is eating the fuck out of a homeless dude (laughs) yeah and she's just chowing down straight up like there's this is there's no there's no ambiguity about this. It's it's full mealtime. Well, he also does a little bit of vomiting because he's so disgusted by the sight of his mother feasting on a homeless person. Which, you know, I, I guess that makes sense. And instead of being so disgusted that he just bolts it and leaves and goes to the police and tries to stop this shit, he gets in his VW fucking short van. <laughs> his minibus. Rides the fuck up on them as they stand on the street corner, kind of like putting themselves together. And tells his mom to get the fuck in the bus. It's a very weird scene, just in general. But he he makes Nestor get his own cab because, you know, he's he's the boss. But it's a very, like, artistically shot scene. They're just, the camera's across the street. You see them. They're kind of almost silhouetted out. Flags it down. You see the cab pass through the frame. And then, I don't know, like, I, I had a feeling like this was somewhat where kevin smith got some of his shit from well it it definitely has that feel that i want to tell a complicated series of actions but i need to do it really efficiently yeah it was well shot i'm honestly saying that like i thought this movie was good i'm gonna disagree with you in part but i agree with you i think it was extremely well shot for its limitations i made a note like 75% of the way through the movie that this was the most stable movie I've seen in a long time because 95% of this movie was shot on a static tripod. So to your point, they were very smart about their coverage and they did a lot of creative things within the frame to tell the story better. But at the same time, like I, I made an entire separate note of this camera hasn't moved in a really long fucking time. <laughs> 50 50, right? I mean, that's fine. It, it was remarkably well done considering what it is, you know. Oh, I mean, it was scripted horribly, but it was shot well. Yeah, so back to the non existent plot stuff. <laughs> he, uh, he, he gets his mom into that fucking VW minibus and starts yelling at her, and she's all fucking high and mighty. He's like, You don't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like that. I'm still your mother. <laughs> I just, you just ate somebody. Okay, his line is, my mom just deliberately and quietly killed a man and ate him. That kind of blows all the old rules out of the window. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I can't even argue. It, like, it reminded me of the moment when I was, like, 16 and I just bought my first car and it was, like, a $300 car. And my mom was riding in the passenger seat for the first time and she tried to change the radio station on me and I swatted her hand. And she, like, lost her shit. And I was like, no, this is my car. <laughs> Those are my ventilation holes in the floorboard. Damn it. <laughs> The least we can do for the listeners is give them an accurate portrayal of my car. They weren't ventilation. They were drainage. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Yeah, great car. Thanks, brother. Anyway, uh, so after some 
domestic drama in the car. They get back home and uh, Nestor comes in. And I, I don't know why it took me this long, but I took note of his outfit. And he was wearing black pants with a black shirt and black shoes and a black vest and black glasses. But the vest had silver stripes because you don't want to be too matchy-matchy. No, of course not. I almost thought he had, like, strips of duct tape on his chest. <laughs> They're reflective so he doesn't get hit by a car. Safety first, werewolf. I mean, the mean streets of L.A. are mean. Yeah, still gotta have bike safety. Probably wearing a helmet, too. It's a little werewolf helmet. So, I mentioned in the intro that this was a comedy. In this next series of events is, I think, the only part of this that's actually comedy. Yeah. The rest of it's pretty much straight-faced. Well, this is where the comedy is, right? Like, yeah. he throws Clay across the room. He lands by mom's fucking knitting shit and you know he goes to like start to choke him and shit and he gets stabbed in the chest with some uh some knitting needles yeah and he falls over plays dead for a little bit gets back up and he pulls him out laughs it off and mm-hmm. i don't remember what he said it was something fucking stupid but i've been around for longer than you have this shit doesn't hurt me and he's now just covered in like black blood you know it's it's not it's not red. It's like pitch black. It's it's kind of like he's covered in motor oil. Yeah, because, you know, the, the theory here is that Nestor's so old that his blood's no longer red or made of actual, you know, hemoglobin or anything. Yeah, maybe maybe that's why he has to eat the meat is for the human hemoglobin. It could be. Of course, if, if you have cooked meat, it's got none of that left in it. So that, that, that would track. Boom. Solve the movie. Podcast over. The, the, the newscaster, he kind of admits defeat and he just wanders off and tries to use the phone. I, I guess calling somebody is natural, but... Um, I think he was trying to call the police because, you know, Nestor's a werewolf. His mom's now, I guess, a werewolf too, and he finally figured out that maybe I should call the authorities. Nestor is not a fan of this plan, and so he comes and smashes the newscaster's face uh, against the counter. I made a note. It's supposed to be night, but it looks like there's four suns outside the kitchen window. Like, it's just bright <laughs> as fuck. Uh, but then the newscaster uh, accidentally, like, turns on the gas jets on the stove, and uh, then he <laughs> throws a fucking cup of grease on Nestor, which is in, like, a little Ikea tin labeled grease. I mean, like, I know that you save grease if you're my grandmother, but who keeps it in liquid form in an Ikea tin labeled grease. Okay, so I wasn't crazy. I thought that said grease too. I frame by framed it and I checked and it was like a nice grease cup. Yeah, in A, grease isn't liquid at room temp. Mm-hmm. So that had to have been like, it couldn't have been grease. It had to have been like oil or something. Like right. they should have changed the labeling. It should have been like olive oil, which isn't really flammable. Or it should have just said vodka. <laughs> Everclear. I was fixated on this. I wrote thought number one, that must have been flour. I've heard that flour is flammable when it's in the air. And then my thought number two was, Grease, wait, can you throw room temperature grease on someone? Isn't that like throwing jello? <laughs> and thought number three is, who the fuck has an Ikea tin labeled grease? <laughs> oh. I spent a lot of time thinking about this. But then he ignites Nestor. Uh, I don't even remember how. I think I was too fixated on the grease. You were. Like- His hand caught on fire because it was resting on one of the burners on the stove. And when oh, okay. newscaster Clay turned on the gas, it lit his hand on fire, and his hand was on fire, and he's like, oh my god, he burns. So he just grabbed the grease and threw it at him, which, oh, okay, you know, okay. can't be grease, because grease at room temperature is, is, not, is, is too viscous to be thrown like that. Splat. Uh, that would have been great, though, just a disc of grease flying out of the cup, <laughs> hitting him in the face, and nothing happening. That would have <laughs> like- made for comedy gold. 
he, he jiggles it out of the can like that cranberry sauce, slices off a piece, throws it at him, and it just makes a noise. <laughs> Let me play by play this scene. So they okay. get back to the house. Mom, in an attempt to convince Clay that she's not a werewolf, goes and starts a batch of bacon. Mm-hmm. And as she's cooking the bacon, Clay and Nestor get into a fight. And then they get into the kitchen where he attempts to call the police. There's a tussle in this now rendered bacon grease that gets flung onto Nestor. And that's what makes him catch on fire. Okay, right. So really, the scene works a lot better if they've been out all night hunting hobos, free range hobos, like the ones on the train tracks. And they get home and they just need a snack before they go to bed at 7 a.m. And they, so they're going to make themselves some bacon. Yeah. I think so. We've just like quadrupled the budget of this movie. There's extra hobo actors, bacon, scenes on trains. I mean, they could have, oh, I guess they couldn't have CGI the bacon. This is 91. <laughs> I like how you jumped to CGI in the bacon. <laughs> I was making a joke about one of those films, damn it. Fix it in post. God damn it. This is why I'm three episodes behind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, we've alluded to this quite a bit already. So Nestor catches the fuck on fire. He just fucking goes up. This is the second movie in a row where we've had flaming person for a good solid minute of a... Not a minute. This is like 30 seconds, but it was a long time. It's a fire stunt. These are dangerous. Oh, yeah. You don't see much of them in movies. Well, and this is an indoor fire stunt, like in a house-type set, too, so the ceiling's all low. I mean, it's definitely like, this is this is a big moment for this movie. Yeah. So their stunt person had to be on point. And I know James... or. Brian James didn't want to do that shit. He's got other movies to make, like Tango and Cash. <laughs> well, I, I think if I I was glancing over his filmography, I think he was pretty low rent at this point in his career. I think uh, he only went up after this. It's the character acting in this movie that really set him off. I think so. They were like, we need that Muppet. Mom comes in with the, like the World War II fucking fireproof blanket that she throws on him and snuffs him out. As she goes to put the fire out, she notices that he's not there. He 90s movies dissolves out of this thing. <laughs> Yeah. She she gets the, the Rambo one-liner for some reason. She just goes, so much for immortality. <laughs> Which is weird. She didn't kill him. She didn't. I mean, and she's so nonchalant about all this, too. She's the one who's turning into a werewolf. You think she'd be a little more concerned about her, her own, like, status of, like, life and death. So do you think his heavy diet of, of booze-laced hobos and some tarted-up women led him down the path of being basically soaked in alcohol on the insides that he just goes up like cheap kindling well you know as as the movie said earlier you are what you eat so he must be they did foreshadow that he's boozy hobos so just like a boozy hobo he's flammable he should have he should have let that hobo season himself it might have saved him <laughs> a little cayenne little generic hot sauce brand so after she says so much for immortality i i asked a question in my notes that just said so does this mean that she understands that she just killed an eight a hobo for no reason? Because if she doesn't need it to be, like, a badass supernatural thing, is that just, she just goes like, oh, fuck, I just killed a guy for no reason? I don't think so, because I think she still understands that she can't eat normal cooked flesh. But she could have jumped to the fact that she could go eat squirrel or cow or, or wolves. Okay, so would a werewolf eating a wolf be cannibalism? The typical rule for scientifically, like a different species, means... If you fuck it, it won't make a baby. Sure. Okay, so I think as long as it's distant enough that if she fucks it, it won't make a baby, it's okay. All right. So, yeah, she could eat dog or wolf. I mean, I don't know how werewolf reproduction works, but I'm going to assume it works more like a human than not. Well, I assume they're like canine lycus or something like that in the in the 
genealogical familia species realm or whatever. So does the species change when she changes? Like, so does that mean that she has to eat people when she's a wolf and she has to eat dogs when she's a people? <sighs> These are questions we should ask. <laughs> These are the important... I should have led the podcast with important questions like... These are way better than the ones I came up with. I liked it. If your mom becomes a werewolf, you call her a bitch. That was good. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm sure we won't get any feedback on that. Or the, the constant talk of cooking fetuses or eating them. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. I'll just cut this all out. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about werewolves, right? Yeah. We just burned D- Nestor the fucking bits. So the, the newscaster, he's worn out from this. It's apparently exhausting work. So the mom... They, she lifts him up and lays him on the teddy bear and then it like cuts into the nightmare without telling you and it's like wake up sonny boy it's your mom and then she like ah you know mauls his chest yeah but that's like the only full werewolf costume i think we've seen and it was it was a pretty rubbery werewolf face you know yeah of course if you could see the box cover you'd basically see what we're talking about oh god it looks kind of like a leprechaun from you know the leprechaun the leprechaun <laughs> Yeah, I would say, but wider-eyed. Yeah. Right, so Alice shows up, and she's brought him a clean suit. You know, work needs him to come right away, because there's been another murder, you know, the hobo. And, you know, he's he's been assigned to the, you know, rash of killings that did not start in Los Angeles, even though he's a Los Angeles reporter. She tells him, you know, uh, that, that they said you have to come. And so naturally, uh, he changes into a suit and then locks his mom in, in, in the bedroom before leaving. And when he gets to the scene of the crime, the detective on scene or on on scene who looks really fucking familiar, but I couldn't place it. Oh, that's Art Evans. Art Evans, right? It's Barnes. I knew I knew that guy. It's Barnes. Barnes is in this movie. Barnes is finally here, I, and I really like him. He's great. He's got a great cop mustache, and he's he's got sort of the bargain Danny Glover thing going on, where he's like a forty-five to fifty-year-old black man with a white mustache in a in a cop cop role in 1990 yeah his hair was fully white and it was still full like he wasn't balding at all it was just stark white hair it was beautiful he's a beautiful man he's like rick flair in it he was the detective barnes notices i know that's not his name in this movie right it's, it's hendrix but barnes is fine <laughs> barnes notices that uh news guy doesn't ask any questions and as a detective i suppose he's curious why he isn't doing his job and he just refers to it as a messy business and i guess we're just supposed to know that the detective is on top of shit cut to mrs news who is uh coming home to their very trendy industrial apartment must be very expensive Uh, she comes home and she finds clay is missing and uh she starts talking to herself and that's how we know she's unfulfilled oh of course cut to uh mom knitting in the dark and you know i guess this is where we learn that she's developing werewolf eyes when clay comes to check on her they fight about uh, her needing to eat and uh, he makes her her favorite dinner uh, to try and entice her to eat it. And it looks like sushi to me, but it makes her want to vomit. <laughs> my, my other VHS note is, I don't know, maybe it's squash. It's hard to tell on VHS. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. This is, I mean, this is where Clay really starts to go off the rails. And I start to think this is a different movie than a comedy horror. Now it's a crossover of werewolf and like geriatric care. Yeah. Clay really upset me for the rest of this movie for some reason. Like his incompetence, his he was so overbearing and this is like the relationship that led up to was it Patrick Bates and Psycho? Norman Bates, I'm sorry. You're thinking of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. I am. I was so close on both of those. You you almost made two references at once. The double reference. Yeah, this is what the relationship with his mother I assumed would have been leading up to that series of events. Like, he's getting that level of weird. Yeah, he's wearing her underwear and everything. It's strange. Yeah. 
Okay, so he's not wearing underwear. Well, no, but... You, you, you can see it happening. It's soon. between the scenes. You know that he just took off some underwear. Yeah, probably underwear she knit for herself. <laughs> Crocheted underwear. <laughs> uh, they're knit underwear. She doesn't have crochet hooks, John. Well, not anymore now that they've rammed them into a... Uh, what's his name? And those were knitting needles. Understand your craft wear. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is where I insert the thing about us fucking shit up. It's, it's fine. Just, just add in some beer sounds right here. Clay feeds the dog the food, and uh, while he's doing that, Mom is on the roof outside escaping. Yeah, he goes and locks her away, and she just does what any petulant teenager would do and puts the dummy in the bed and climbs out the window. <laughs> right. Which, by the way, bad move. Do not allow your children to keep a dummy in their room. It's true. Like, children should not have pillows, any wigs, sheets. <laughs> they have to sleep in that goddamn bed by themselves with nothing else that will get have any warmth or joy yeah basically raise your children as a samurai until they're 18 and then set them free here's here's your straw mat have fun i believe they refer to this as baby caging when when clay checks on her uh the dog jumps in the bed which reveals her deception so, you know, it doesn't even last. And she goes downtown and tries to sucker an undercover cop into going with her to get dinner. And the cop is obviously trying to protect the old lady from being, like, too nice to hobos. And he, like, tells her to fuck off and screams at her. And then after she walks away, he's talking in his ear like, oh, it's just some crazy old lady. But then he goes to, uh, the cop leaves his homeless hovel and goes around a corner to take a more private homeless leak in public. And that's when he is old lady wolf attacked. This is kind of funny because it ends up turning into like kind of a chase scene. He shoots her in the hand, which just sort of pisses her off. And it culminates in him getting thrown off the building. And Clay finds him on the ground. And his dying gesture is just to point towards the roof where he fell from. Uh, And Clay looks up at it and kind of goes, that's a fucking roof. And his mom like ducks back right before he sees it. At which point the detective from earlier, you know, uh, he... He shows up and tells Dwyer that he'll have to come answer some questions for a chain. You know, because he's a reporter, so it's a little joke. Yeah. A little cop humor. Cop humor. Love it. Uh, the only thing I'd add is that uh, the guy, I believe his name is Baxter, that fell off the roof, he also shot her in the head, unfazed. If you really want to know, you can watch it. Uh, you know, by all means. Makes the next edit make a little more sense, because she's at home doing her hair when we uh, rejoin her at home. Oh, yeah. She definitely does her hair. She's wearing, like, those fancy uh, old lady gloves. That women wear to the derby and all that stuff. Yeah, so the newsman comes in and he tells his mom that, you know, she just killed a cop. And there's a little back and forth about how she didn't. And he says he's going to stop her tonight. Basically, uh, he says he's going to stop her. And then he's, she says something, but I, I, I rewatched it like four times and I could not tell what the fuck she said. I can't tell you. I didn't take notes on that. But it really bothered me because, like, he walks out and, like, closes the door behind him. And it's like she, the camera zooms in on her face and she's like some words i i turned up the volume i like had no luck i could not tell what she said is this like your rosebud it is so then in the morning clay is installing bars on his mom's window which is funny because you know says he's gonna stop her and then he waits till morning yeah i assume he just slept on the roof that night (laughs) he just like slept with his back against the window yeah that's how you stop kids from doing things you don't want them to do you physically block it yeah that seems convenient the worker's on the ladder and he's like putting the bars up and the other guy his his buddy starts climbing up the ladder behind him to hand him something and that i guess extra weight makes the ground collapse under one of the legs of the ladder and the ladder falls over they get hurt and they have to wander away but like that's when you discover like there's like a 
soft grave in the the ground under the ladder. It is the bloody hole. Right. I thought it was interesting because it's like that. Okay, this must be the meter reader, right? Yeah. <laughs> the mom comes out and is like, "Oh dear me, what's happening here?" And Clay sends her back to her room. At which point, Carla calls, and we have a very long scene of mom talking on the phone to Carla while Clay falls asleep. Emily Dwyer, mom's already done on the phone with her daughter or whatever. They, and then a little girl out comes the door, and she's like selling something or some bullshit. And uh, she like screams because mom's got her huddled in a corner. You know, Clay shoots up awake and is like the hell's going on like pulls mom off and you know Mm -hmm. mom's just trying to take care of her because the damn dog bit her was it the dog because i just i think it was the dog i would think that the girl would be more frightened if mom had gone full-blown werewolf and tried to eat her Uh, true but i guess she she did book it out of there maybe maybe mom did try to eat her maybe that's what the the camera is trying to tell us maybe there's a little girl werewolf wandering around la now is that how underworld starts Ooh, yeah kate beckinsale and uh some other people got bit by strange 90s movie villains i love it <laughs> it writes itself now i think you're right she probably tried to bite the girl and and then used her old lady ways about convincing dumbass clay that she wasn't trying to eat an innocent child because they're the most delicious or anything like that all right well i mean this is when they're sort of interrupted by uh alice i believe tells clay he's got to go to work again she just pops in to mom's whenever he has a job to do which is weird because when i worked at a TV station, we had regular hours. You might get stuck working late, but you never got stuck working early unless it was like somebody was sick, you know? Yeah. And but he he apparently is just on call all the time. And this is L.A. They have more than one news person. So Clay uh, goes outside, you know, to go to work, and he reaches into his, his VW bus, and he just he, he disables it with the most movie of ways which is just ripping out the thing with the dangly bits i believe those are the um spark plug connectors whatever it is all i know is that in a movie when you want to make a car not work you rip out the thing that looks like a spider and then he goes back in and he tells alice that he needs a ride to work and he takes mom upstairs and walks her inside again yeah and then she checks the bars and to see if they're solid apparently they finished a job before they tragically fell and got stabbed with a fucking drill i i think there was actually a shot of them coming back they're quality people. If you need bars installed on your windows, call this company. But e- even even the bar guys were like, isn't it weird they're only getting the one window? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a second floor window, of course, so it's like even weirder. And those things always have a safety release so that like if the house catches fire, you can get out. Not in movies, John. He goes to work, and the victim is Dr. William Carruthers, a 33-year-old resident of Los Angeles. Everybody goes like, Oh no, Stony or Tony or something. I think it was Stony. But then the newsman is like, "Damn it, God fucking damn it!" And my note is, I have no idea who this person is. Like, as an audience member, I was like, "Why are we freaking out about Stony?" No idea. So it wasn't just me. I thought like I missed an entire character. Oh no, I know who it is, but I, d- I had no idea at that point who it was. Who was it? No one you met. It was her physician. He did house calls. They mentioned him like. Oh. Earlier, earlier, earlier on. Might as well have been the butcher, right? <laughs> like, yeah, no, Alice mentioned, like, oh, did you talk to Dr. Stoney or whatever? And he, he's like, no, we're not going to bother him with this. She just needs rest. Okay. Like, it was such a throwaway line that no one would have ever heard it. Okay, well, I, I, I felt like an idiot because they made such a big deal out of this that I was like, did did Alice die? Like, who's who's Stoney? Is it Alice? Like, It's, it's their doctor. <laughs> okay. She, he came to make a house call while he was fucking asleep and she ate the fuck out of him. Yeah, so he goes to mom and uh, the mom says, I killed Stoney, sure. He didn't have a beard. 
I didn't understand that line, so I probably wrote it down wrong. She did say that. She didn't recognize him as a person she knew, so she killed him. Oh, okay. I thought maybe she was like allergic to facial hair. I mean, I don't know the digestive tract of werewolves, though. <laughs> it's like owl pellets. There is mention of why don't you just get her my dinner for me? Yeah, why'd you kill Stoney? And she said, well, why don't you just go find my food for me? Uh, yeah, so all my notes at this point still say, who the fuck is Stoney? <laughs> is it for the rest of them, for the rest of your notes? <laughs> it's just nothing but, who the fuck is Stoney? Where did Stoney come from? Where did Stoney go? I don't understand. Who is Stoney? I mean, so far in the movie, it's the most genuine emotional reaction that anybody's had to anything. So, yeah, I was pretty fucking curious. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could explain it to you. I mean, you're trying to exposit too much here, John. I just want it to make sense. You watched the wrong movie for that, my friend. <laughs> Clay is sitting on the couch or whatever, and he's just lighting matches and letting them burn down to his fingertips. You know, I prefer Zippos, honestly. Flicking it. Flicking it open, closing it, lighting it. That's my favorite pensive action. This is where my note, my note came in that just says, this is a tripod movie. There's only tilt and pan money. <laughs> tilt and pan money, baby. He's in a bar. Okay be getting aggressively drunk looking at all the aggressively drunk patrons of this bar it's like you can just picture a sober person walking into like the last resort tavern basically saying like i need to blend in hand me a bottle uh so yeah he's like three drinks deep looking like a drunk in the corner booth of a bar and this is when we uh we get the floozy who just drops into the seat next to him you know as they do she introduces herself and she says i am beverly and these are my hills and uh it's a very cheesy joke. She has a face that everyone will recognize because she's she's a character actress that's been in a ton of stuff. She's also an actress for her entire career has had a grandma face. Well, to paint a picture for this, right? Like this happened in 91. At the time of filming, Mark Thomas Miller is 31. At the same time, Stella Stevens, Beverly Hills, is around 53. So she's noticeably older. She has a little bit of a well-worn appearance. And there's a mile's worth of cleavage <laughs> hanging off the, her front. And she's like, hey, babe, you gonna buy me a drink? The bartender comes up and is like, Beverly, what are you doing? Aren't you coming home with me tonight? And she's like, nah, honey, get me my usual. <laughs> Which is like a whole bottle. <laughs> oh, it's a whole bottle of tequila, a salt shaker, and a lime. Just one lime, mind you. Not like a dish <laughs> of limes. So I don't know what the fuck she's doing with the rest of that bottle of tequila. She just likes to, like, flash dance with it, you know? So I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this drink. It's called a tequila tickler. <laughs> she swipes the lime across Clay's hand, puts it in his mouth, puts the salt on his hand, licks the salt, takes the shot, sucks his mouth. And this happens for a little bit, too. Like, she's aggressive. Either this bar is just known for its aggressive ladies of the night, or it's just her. Yeah, I mean, I, I got the sense that that was just her, uh, quote-unquote, territory. So she just serviced anybody that went into the bar? I think so. I think she was, like, a bar girl. Like, she, she just hung out at the bar, and people took her home, and then she'd come back to the bar and hang out until somebody else wanted her, you know? like Kind of like a, like a bar cat? She was just, like, you know, a bar cougar, but for money instead of for fun. Okay. I'm fine with that. Continue. I dismiss you. Uh, <laughs> it's really just, I dismiss myself. Also, I, I expected another nipple counter here because they were on the verge of exploding. She was definitely presenting, as I say. 
like in a nature documentary like she was presenting like a baboon but like a front baboon i concur but all the blue shit was on her face the working girl goes home with a newsman and he has to like fight her off and he's like no no that's not what i want i want you to go upstairs and pretend to be my mom's daughter (laughs) she's real suspicious of this which i think is natural she's very very concerned about getting her fucking cab money back and i assume this is because la is pretty expansive you know sprawling and the cabs cost quite a bit of money sometimes so Mm-hmm. This always seems to be a thing in L.A.-based movies, so... So he's got to give it to her up front. Plus the $25 to not sleep with him and to talk to his mother. From her perspective, he's got to be the worst son in the world because he's hiring hookers to chat with his mom because, like, he can't stand to be, like, near her. <laughs> yeah, I viewed this from the eyes of the sun. I was like, you're an asshole son. Plus, like, you know, I'm just going to quote uh, what we do in the shadows uh, because if you haven't seen it, that movie's fucking fantastic. Somebody asks one of the vampires in that movie, why do you only want to eat virgins he his response is well it's like when you get a sandwich you would like it more if nobody had fucked it (laughs) (laughs) yes uh he's sending his his mom a very fucked sandwich beverly is a very fucked sandwich (laughs) in this movie not in real life all credit for that goes to uh what we do in the shadows go watch that movie it's far better than this So anyway, uh, as she's walking upstairs to go fulfill her non-sexual hookering duties, uh, the newsman gets second thoughts, and he drags her back downstairs, and they just fall asleep on the couch together, which, you know, that's totally norm. Well, again, sleeping issues. He's like, oh, I'll call you the cab, and apparently, like... (laughs) They just both fell asleep. (laughs) He doesn't? I think story-wise, this makes sense, but, like, reality-wise, this is stupid, because he's like, I'll call you the cab, and then they both pass out on the ground, or on the couch. At which point, the hooker wakes up, and she goes like, well, I got paid, I might as well go talk to the mom. But then, of course, mom eats her. So the newsman wakes up all hungover and shitty, and mom's up cooking breakfast. And by his recollection, he called her a cab, so there's no mystery about where the hooker went. But anyway, he, he is concerned that mom seems so much better. Well, she's, she's gotten a fresh meal, so yeah, of course she's better. Her eyes are going back to normal, she doesn't have a big hole in her head or in her hand or anything like that. She looks like a spring chicken. So you noticed her eyes were back to normal, but did you catch why? No. Towards the end of the scene, one of the hooker's contacts falls out of the mom's eye. The mom had stolen the hooker's contacts. I did notice that, but I didn't put two and two together. She's passing herself off as healthy, but she's totes a werewolf bitch. The contact trick, though, that's good. It's one of the things I liked. I forgot contacts were a thing in the 90s. Carla comes home unannounced, and the newsman gets a phone call about the, the missing hooker, and he's supposed to go to work. There's a little bit of weirdness here. Like, someone calls him in to look at a body, and they're, and they're like, is this the missing hooker? And he couldn't tell, because her wig was missing, and her contacts were out, and he couldn't identify it. And then he went to the bar to be like, hey, is Beverly here? And the bartender's like, Beverly's always here. And he was obviously lying. There was there was that weird thing where, like, the bartender was obviously, like, jealous of him for having taken her home the night before. It's, it's uh, he's an old actor from a lot of things. It's, I think this was his last movie, but he was in, he was Dr. Coleman in Star Trek. Oh, the original yeah. uh, series? or The original series, 1969. It's Harry Landers. Now I'm a little sad that this was his last movie. He died in 2017. Well, in that case, I guess he just retired. That's okay. All right, let's continue this plot and get this bitch over with. So then he goes to work and promptly gets fired. He goes home to see his mom after getting laid off or fired or quitting or whatever the hell the argument ends up being. Car was there and okay so so my note here is mom smells gas mom says don't tell dot 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 a boom mic dips into the shot some vhs tracking noise 
newsman ultimatum's mom i i apparently missed like half of a scene because of like vhs garbage <laughs> i love the boom mic comment because you, you said this is a uh yeah open mat so that's great so i don't think they actually smell gas i think this is just like a distractionary piece to get people moving around and whatnot uh but then he goes after locking his mom back up in the the room he goes home to his uh urban trendy industrial path and uh alice is gone there's something we should mention from a little bit back alice was doing a bit of sleuthing on her own and totally tracked clay taking a hooker into mom's house that's that's a whole plot point that we fucked up basically alice kicks him out and says that she you know she knew what happened with the hooker and uh that if she wants to she'll call him and his mother's you're absolutely right with the tripod shit it's a tastefully done scene because he's yelling her name like alice alice you at and he like walks in a little bit further because his apartment's apparently so large he has to walk a couple feet in order for her to hear him apparently she falls asleep waiting for him to get home and she's on the couch and she just kind of gets up in the scene yeah she like sits up into the foreground and uh and then she's like oh i thought about leaving you i thought about leaving here and i decided that you're leaving motherfucker hands him a suitcase and kicks him the fuck out which i mean kudos to her man like that's you know for 91 that's ballsy you know yeah so after the fight uh he just goes and gets tanked and then he goes to his mom's he goes to the kitchen for one last drink and that's where he finds uh carla's body i i wrote carla's body it's probably wrong but in garbage bags i did appreciate the acting here a little bit because mm-hmm. he gets home he's like i need a drink but he goes to the walk there and he does right he kind of like stumbles towards that way and is like before i do that i'm gonna go check on mom she she needs me i'm the only thing that she has he doesn't say any of this. That's, this is me. But this, this is Jason's internal drunk. He walks up with one shoe in his hand and the other on his foot up the fucking stairs and almost falling down them a couple times. Peeks into the room, sees his gentle sleeping grandmother full on a dinner of Carla, just chilling there. And he's like, oh, this is good. It's time for that drink. He like slips down the stairs because he only one of his fucking feet have a shoe on it. So the sock foot flips and he falls down. It looks pretty accurate as to how a drunk would fall. I, I presume that he fails to relock the door when he leaves mom's room. I would think so. Gets down the stairs finally after he falls down like four of them and falls through the fucking swinging kitchen door <laughs> into a garbage bag full of Carla. He sticks his hand through the plastic and pulls it out. And it's it's actually one of the cooler gore moments of the movie. It's a very gelatinous sort of semi-coagulated deep red blood. Like, I remember it pretty well. <laughs> but obviously... Uh, that's pretty distressing, especially for somebody who barely under understands like how reality works at this point. He also saw her face. Carla from ninety percent of the movie has been an off screen presence. Like they reference her several times. So you've got the right. gifts at the beginning. So we know that Carla's important, but we've only seen her the one time in the living room. Right. But mom is upstairs and she's she's crying with fear, I presume. So yeah, he goes upstairs distressed mother was faking it. She's like, She left her coat. I couldn't help myself. She was a tasty snack. Okay, so obviously the gas leak was to get Carla out, and then she came back because she left her coat. But, like, that means they left Mom behind with the gas leak. Well, yeah. <laughs> so Mom's crying, and then he used the matches come back at this point because he menaces her drunkenly with a flaming spray can. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was... he, he like I guess he's like a MacGyver drunk, you know? Some people get drunk and they, like watch movies some people i guess get drunk and build weapons but he burns her hand with the macgyver spray bottle and then tends to her wound and then ties her up 
Well, and, and the way he ties her is super weird because he basically is like, you know, tearing the strips of cloth to make bandages, but then he fashions those into like little ropes. She's a depression era baby. She would have fucking rope in her house. She would at least have twine for tying up hams. Exactly. And twine's much better than ripped up shreds of fucking cotton. Right. He ties her to the bed and I don't know, he goes outside and I, I kind of like this scene, uh, but he's drunk outside with a pile of like butcher meat wrapped Carla parts, uh, which we presume the mom wrapped up. <laughs> and he just starts barbecuing the Carla parts into oblivion. Yeah. You know, it just shows that he's like, even even with all this, he's still not given up. He's still the dutiful son trying to take care of his mom, even though he's had to tie her to the bed to keep her from murdering close family members. And I believe the next scene is him tossing the Carla burnt parts off of a cliff. Yeah, which is so emo. Just <laughs> chucking, chucking body parts off of California cliffs. I mean, it just reminds me of when Job in Arrest Development's throwing the fucking letter at the ocean. It keeps blowing, it back, keeps in blowing his face. back at him. How long do you think it would take to get from the interior? So, like, let's say the suburbs where his mom probably lives. It's, you know, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but it's actually 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. I'm just saying, like, there's likely a, you know, a lot of travel here because his mom's still tied to the bed with shitty fucking cotton. <laughs> She's just gnawing on her hand the whole time. Because, you know, that's what wolves do. I mean, she should have been doing that. It would have been pretty fun if they just cut back to her and she's like... Isn't there a radio report, say they have identified the body of the woman that they found in its Beverly? Oh, yeah. He's listening to Radio Exposition. Yeah. Radio XPTN. And uh, now they got to come talk to him. Probably the uh, bartender sent them his way or something. Yeah. And he recognizes them from local TV. If your job is to be famous, you shouldn't go whoring. That's just famous 101. Clearly. A lot of them got that wrong. You can go sleezing just to go whoring. Fair. After his little emo outburst, cut back and he's retying his mom to the bed. Detective Hendricks, Barnes, Barnes, <laughs> shows up at uh, Alice's place. He's looking for uh, Clay, newsman. <laughs> Ex-newsman Clay. The newsman formerly known as newsman. So they go to the mom's place and... Uh, well, they, they find the mom tied to the bed. Uh, I find it weird that whenever cops go to ask someone where someone is, they always bring that person with them. Like, she couldn't just give them the address to get to that place. So you think they're like, like we're going to have to deputize you for a scene. I, I just, like, this happens all the time in movies and it pisses me off. Do you think this would be a good opportunity to phone a friend and bring in uh, my writer friend? It could be. Podcast. I have used all of my dark arts to summon into existence a writer. He's going to now defend his craft and the craft of thousands of other people on behalf of all writers. I have Zach. Tell me about yourself. Hello. Uh, it's great to be talking yet again about writing. I am uh, clearly the person of authority when it comes to things of writing and that nature. I know where all the letters are on the keyboard. I'm your guy. You gotta tell me, what the fuck is up with police bringing along the person who filed a complaint? For example, you, Zach, have just written a scene where, where a distressed wife reports her husband is missing and she suspects werewolf-based foul play. <laughs> Hypothetically. Why, for God's sakes, did you make the detective drag her to the scene of the suspected malfeasance to co-investigate this highly dangerous situation? Well, as a writer, it's because I need her for, like one two lines max of feedback it would be weird to like do investigating and then go back to the victim and be like oh hey 
here's what we found is is that well no because you know he had he had gray tufts of fur this werewolf <laughs> not he wasn't all brown okay let me go back and interview more werewolves so you're saying it's because you want to make sure they don't get the wrong werewolf i think uh the writer is trying to blend together three different scenes or two or more scenes let's say that and he's trying to save time by like having characters accomplish certain things they need to accomplish in like a shorter amount of time that would be my real guess on this i think it's on par with like when csi is like well hey you know all this lab work is going to take weeks to get back or we can put it into the magic computer data analysis machine that way we can end the act in like two minutes by making an arrest efficiency and laziness correct sloppy writing okay well that's cinema slop i think my uh Mixed drinks have uh, turned a little more bourbon than it needs to be. Oh no, that's a problem. It is a problem. They show up at mom's house. It's Detective Evans. I believe the guy's name's Daniels, but I think he calls him Dennis and Alice. Oh, uh, I, I can't clarify anything. I got that VHS audio, you know? <laughs> right, it's it's Tim Trella, which he's actually, he's kind of famous, but he's like, all right, Daniel, stay down, or Dennis, stay downstairs and watch the perimeter. Me and Alice are going to go upstairs and see what the fuck this noise is. That's when they find the mom tied to the bed. The newsman uh, pops out of the corner and he smacks Cop 2 in the face with a chain, which is pretty fucking sweet. So yeah, dude fucking smacks Daniels or Dennis in the face with a news chain and goes running upstairs to save his mother from... Or maybe he's going up there to save them because he knows his mother's a, an asshole. He runs upstairs in one of the most Cosby sweaters ever Cosbyed. <laughs> this is when... They've, they've partially untied the mom, and uh, the newsman bursts through the door. Mom breaks through the, uh, the binds or whatever, and she starts biting faces and at Alice's belly. But this goes, this goes back to our fetus McNugget theory. She's crossed the line at this point. She's full-on werewolf. <laughs> oh, I, I just wrote, Mom breaks out and bursts through a bedroom door to attack Alice the cop and the newsman, and I just wrote, great band name. <laughs> it's like the best indie band name I've heard in a long time. At which point, the newsman falls from the window. Uh, Mom's kind of sad about this. The mom is distraught because she might have just killed her son. This is actually a very important point. In the tussle, she kind of knocks him out of the window, and he's only hanging on, and she sees him fall to what she thinks is his death. But in typical movie form, she doesn't check. No. It's like a glance and then an assumption. At this point, she's already eaten Dennis or Daniels, whatever the fuck his name is. Detective Hendricks and Alice are, are snuck away into a room where they're kind of safe. And Mom has actually gone downstairs to kind of kill herself. The newsman, when he comes back in, like the door bursts open and there's a bunch of red light. And the newsman sees that she killed herself. She's only seared flesh. She's not ashes. So she kind of looks at him, blinks a couple of times, and then it kind of explodes again. <laughs> well, I mean, I would assume after the explosion, she's probably pretty well pretty well crispy you see i don't believe that i believe there's a mom sequel in our future somewhere <laughs> you think like 30 years later they're gonna do mom two moms this time there's like one father who like bit two different pregnant ladies and then they have werewolf babies like a little litter no no you're shaking your head no at me no i'm just shaking my head at this fucking plot oh <laughs> okay well that's fine art evans learns that his partner's been eaten and that's pretty much it we have what I would affectionately call, like, 
the shining ending which is like where you pan over to the wall and you end on a family photo oh yeah shows a family photo and basically you realize that the family is destroyed this movie is sort of like watching an episode of scooby-doo trying to get an oscar trying to end on this like sad like melancholy note but like it just doesn't fucking work you know it's like they just pulled off mr jenkins mask and that's it like that's the end of the movie and this is labeled as a comedy horror there's one bit of comedy one i mean two if you include the uh i'm beverly and these are my hills line okay on that note what what, what are your thoughts on this fucking thing honestly john i liked this movie i watched it before you and you asked me what i thought and i think i gave you like one of my observations and then told you you should be a little drunk but in my state of mind which was a little drunk it you know it hit the spot in a weird sort of cinemax late night tv way i've seen a lot of these like sort of direct-to-video horror movies most of them are just complete garbage they're they're not even worth your time to watch but then occasionally you find one that just for some reason works it has an interesting location or interesting premise or like the actor is unusually charismatic but like this kind of fell into that category of it was entertaining i enjoyed it i'm not mad that i watched it uh even though there's no real reason that i should like it i might like this a little bit more than it's alive it's alive had shock value in 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 some like horror value this had none of that this is like the movie next door. It's flawed in some sort of ways, but you give it credit where credit is due. There's no standout performance. There's no Golden Eagle Award in this movie. <laughs> Nobody gets an eagle. Fuck that. No, not a single soul. And, I, and I, to be honest, like I thought everyone was pretty much terrible in and it. And I'm not being sarcastic here. The actress that I thought did the best, and this is, again, damning with faint praise, was Beverly Hills. She had a little bit of a charm in her obnoxious floozy personality and art evans is just he's a character actor that i just like you know and he just was art evans and so that put him above most everybody else well it doesn't hurt that he plays a cop in most movies so (laughs) he basically showed up just like already in costume he's like what i wore this from home show me where to stand i'm a seasoned professional i I would agree with both those if i were to say two standouts those are my two mark thomas miller like he's a terrible actor and that probably works really well for ski school when he's supposed to be an uptight ski instructor that takes on the rowdy party animals. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It does not work for this. He he went carefree bikini inspector to, like, overbearing fucking mama's boy in a matter of scenes. Can I put this in PCU terms? Yeah. They cast David Spade for the Jeremy Piven role? They absolutely did. But I think Spade could have pulled it off. But, I mean, overall, I, I don't know. Like, this was a lot of fun. I was I was kind of down with it. And honestly, the, the VHS-ness and the too much headroom and the tracking problems and all that shit kind of i was enjoying this almost as like a a kitschy throwback experience you know so uh, i think for me that even added a little bit more to it because you know it's it's like i'm old enough that that's a thing i remember is going to the video store and picking out you know some dumbass movie called mom with a cool cover and just going home and having no idea what it was going to be oh definitely this movie definitely sold itself via the cover like, the, the whole phrase, we like, can't judge a book by its cover, you definitely can judge a movie by its cover. At least from the 90s, 80s. If it was originally released on VHS, then yes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. This is like the B-movie classic version of the A-movie. If you were to describe it in a 360-degree range described by a straight or curved line... I'd give this a strong 90-degree angle. I gave it's Alive a 90. So we're just going straight up. Yeah, I I think this movie is actually worth watching. If you're the kind of person that watches a B-movie 
unironically and enjoys them for what they do right and what they do wrong, then this can be a good a good one. I completely agree with that. I think I'm a little less up than Jason. I'm not knocking it, but but I'm going to say like not a 90, like an 80 degree angle. Just because, you know, there there are stretches where it is kind of, you know, routine to me. That's not saying it's bad. It's just slightly less enthusiastic. I don't recommend it to everybody if you need that Hollywood sheen. If you're if you're cool without that, this is a good this is a good one. That I mean that that's that's a pretty concise uh, little little bow we put on that fucker. There's no reason not to. I mean, unless you can't find it. It seemed like you had an easier time finding this movie than Free Jack, which I'm pretty sure you could have made this movie 400 times for the budget of Free Jack, so... Yeah, you could have made this an entire franchise for that. <laughs> but seriously, you had to, like, order a DVD of Free Jack off, like, what, fucking Amazon or eBay or I something? I think I had to order it off eBay. I just went to Amazon for this one and just rented it. Of all the movies that we've watched, how many have you been able to stream? Uh, I streamed Tremors, Maximum Overdrive... It's Alive, which was awful. The movie was great. The stream was awful. Maniac Cop 2, and I streamed this one. Okay, so we're shooting 50% for what I would describe as being accessible films. Because I, I fully admit that most people aren't freaks like me that still buy physical media in 2018. To be fair, you also bought me physical media because you bought me The Thing because you refused that I watch that on my DVD copy. Well, that's... I mean, that was me being a dogmatic film school shit because... The restoration of that is goddamn a thing of beauty. If you watch the thing on a DVD from 1994 when Scream Factory has just made the movie painfully beautiful, uh, I just I will weep for your soul. Scream Factory, send us as much free shit as possible. <laughs> Any, Sorry. <laughs> if anybody wants to send us free shit, you're more than welcome to. All right. <laughs> Cut that out, John. <laughs> Transition. Transition. <laughs> So what movie do you want to do? We actually didn't discuss this. Art Evans or Stella Stevens. She was in a movie called Cleopatra Jones in a Casino of Gold. But Jesus, that's not even Cleopatra Jones. That's a sequel to Cleopatra Jones. I think I've seen the trailer for this. I think one of the trailer compilations I watched recently had an ad for this. Did I just find our next film? Well, it's got a 5.6, so that's right up our alley. Stella Stevens is the villain. Which means she won't get killed in the opening scene. I think we have a winner. This might get us somewhere really good. Well, I mean, I'm on IMDb, and it says people who liked this also liked coffee, and that is one of my favorite movies. John, does it does it bother you that the aspect ratio to this is uh, 2.35 to 1? Well, that just means it's super wide. I like that. That means that that means that this is a uh, probably a, a globe-hopping James Bond-like cinematic experience. We never know. We'll find that out. All right, so sounds like Cleopatra Jones and the Casino of Gold is our next movie. So sum things up, we both think you should probably watch this movie. Anyway, thanks for listening. Here at Cinema Swap, uh, we love you. That's it for this episode of Cinema Slop. You can visit us on the web at cinemaslop.com for show notes and other garbage. Or if you want to follow us on social media or pitch your Walter Chang's inventory choices to us, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all under Cinema Slop. Thanks for listening. The music for this episode was provided by Vandalay. You can find them on the Facebooks at Vandalay Music or vandalaymusic.com if you're not dirty. That's V A N. D-A-L-A-Y music.com And if you want to hear assholes talk about different movies than the ones we talked about here, then go and check out our friends Mac and Peter at Super Movie Ball. Find them at supermovieball.com and iTunes. And other podcast sources that I haven't bothered verifying for you yet. Jesus, don't be so lazy. I already made a podcast for you. Mm-hmm.
think back to Arrested Development, do you think this is how Lucille and Buster will eventually become? He kind of takes care of her, but also she murders lots of people. If she were to, you know, have a room for rent in her luxury loft and that she happens to rent it out to a werewolf. And if you remember Arrested Development, there's already a horror movie franchise based on her. You're right. Mother, I think, or Gam Gam. Gam Gam, yeah. That was just the family name for mom, so this might have actually been maybe the inspiration. <laughs> if I was not lazy, I would look at IMDb and see what it said, but I am lazy, so... That sounds like future John problem. Future John can worry about that. Now John has to worry about this movie. Future John hates this John. <laughs> Present John's an asshole. <laughs>